you all have a seat and open your Bibles with me. We are going to be in the Gospel of John this morning in chapter 15. Get your Bibles ready there. I am still flying high from last week with Pastor Umat, who was with us from Turkey. And uh, we are privileged to be in partnership with that brother. If you were here for that interview, you learned so much, as I did also, about ministry and what it looks like in Turkey today. You were fantastic hosts to Pastor Umad, and I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you also for sponsoring more than 30 children. We heard the opportunity last week for kids from predominantly Muslim families that are ready to go to Christian camp. And so you sponsored more than 30 kids for that opportunity for the course of a week during this summer. And I, I just can't wait to find out the stories of the seeds that are being planted right now for the next generation in Turkey and how really the entire complexion of the church could change as she continues to grow and as the gospel just takes more root in that country. Well, we are coming to the close of our missions month and you'll notice on the screen behind me, our theme has been called to love. And, you know, we were remembering here that love undergirds all of the global mission that God does. I mean, that's what we've been talking about week in and week out. And today, I want to specifically talk about the sacrifice of love. We have to begin by saying, you know what? There was a great sacrifice that God took in order to love us. Think about one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible for God so loved the world that he loaned his son. No, that, that, that's not right. God so loved the world that he rented out his son. No, that's not what it says. God so loved the world that he gave his son. <laughs> and we know the story. He gives him up unto death. I mean, it's a full-hearted, full-throated giving of what is precious to him, and he gives because he loves us so deeply. You think of Jesus' words himself, and this is another famous quote of Jesus, John 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, in the very nature of his mission and what he comes for, is to be this one who loves and this one who sacrifices, this one who serves, and this is what is at the base of all of Jesus' mission. He's on a rescue mission. It's going to be a very costly one. It's going to cost him his life. So when we start talking about the world today and our job of of fulfilling the Great Commission, of joining God and preaching the gospel all over the world, caring for people in Christ's name, uh, it's a costly one. That, that means that we will probably be giving up things that are of value to us in exchange for something that is of greater value to God. And so things that are precious to us are going to be given uh, for this worldwide mission. In a word, we are called to sacrificially love just as God has done for us. And today, I want to talk to you about how to sacrificially love. I know that sounds so easy, and it's easy to say, but we all know it's much harder to do. How do we sacrificially love? And I'm in John chapter 15. We're going to let Jesus kind of give us the script for that. And I'm starting in verse Eight. So John 15, starting in verse 8. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and there your fruit should abide so that whenever you ask the, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Lord, we come on this final week of our missions month and we are reminded again of your tremendous love for us. We are asking now, through your power, how are you calling us to sacrificially love? Would you help us get a better understanding of that today in order that we might practice it for your glory? And so, Lord, rest upon us now with your spirit. Nudge, guide, lead, direct that you do so well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a number of you that are filling our little uh, nursery with children right now. And what a, what a sign for a pastor to see. I love that the nursery has all kinds of new babies that are being uh, grown up in CCF in our nursery. But everybody who is in that category, if you are the ones with the little children, you have something in common. You are sleep deprived. And I have been around some of you, and you are like, man, this is hard work. And, you know, you're learning. And, you know, some of us who have children a little bit older, we learned it back in that stage. It's like these little kids want to be fed all the time, and they want to be changed all the time. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your schedule is. They don't care. They are saying, we must grab your attention right now. I like to say this to young parents that kids, they will knock the selfish right out of you. That's just their job. It's their MO in life. And so right now, those of you who are raising little ones, you're learning something very valuable about love and about love that is so costly because you have got to, to give up something right now in order to express love to this little one. You know, you're giving up right now. Sleep for sure. You know that quite well. That's abundantly clear. But you've given up things like maybe you had a workout schedule that you were regularly part of that you gave up. Or maybe you had some friends that you really hung out with and you loved that and you've had to give some of that up. Maybe there's a quiet time that you've just cherished and that old rhythm has changed right now. You've had to give that up. And you have learned this idea again. You're learning it in real time that you need to give up something of value to gain something of greater value. And so these things that formerly you love so much, you're giving up right now so that you can love well with this little child. And by the way, the church says thank you. The church thanks you, commends you for that work of love because it's a good and fine work to do. When we come to this idea of loving the world on behalf of Jesus, I'm here to tell you it's a costly affair. 
You can't like love the world from your armchair. It just doesn't work like that. There is things that happen in your lives and in our lives as a church that are gonna be very costly if we intend to love the world well on behalf of Jesus. So how do we love sacrificially? There are three things today that always happen if we love sacrificially, three keys to loving sacrificially, and that's what I want to cover with you today. Let's open the scriptures. Let's see what Jesus says, John chapter 15, about how you and I can practically love sacrificially like Jesus does and what has to happen on the inside of us for us to arrive at that spot. All right, here's number one. In order to love sacrificially, we must abide in Christ's love. This is what Jesus says, verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Here it is. Abide in my love. Notice that Jesus says he was first loved by the Father. In fact, I have a little diagram up here for you that I think will help you see this. This is what Jesus says. I've been loved by the Father, and so now I've been able to love you. So the love comes from the Father to Jesus and from Jesus to us. And this is what allows us to now have love given to us to give to others, whether they be people in this room or people in the world that God is calling us to engage with. And so again, we have something that's been given to us. So we now have something to be able to give away. When he says abide, what he means by that is remain. And so he says, I want you to remain in my love. Stay in my love. And it means that because he has done such a great job of loving us, we now have a capacity to be able to love other people. And that is the girding that's underneath all that we are about to do. You're going to never graduate from abiding in the love of Jesus. You're never gonna graduate from that. You're always gonna be practicing that, always remembering that, always going back to that, always reminding yourself, if there's any motivation that I have to engage people at all in the world, It's this, I've been loved first, and so I'm going to love others on behalf of Jesus. Here's what else Jesus knows. Jesus knows that if you attempt to just go on your own power, to love people on your own, you're gonna be a failure. That's gonna be rather anemic. And that should be evident on the surface because if we even have trouble even loving our own children with sacrificial love, imagine how difficult it is to love others that we don't even know with sacrificial love. It just doesn't work that way. And so Jesus is saying something to us. You're gonna need to abide in my love. You're gonna need to experience the reality of my love if you have any chance of sacrificially loving somebody else. Jesus also tells us something very interesting here beyond this love as a foundation or a starting point. He says, if you abide in my love, you're gonna keep my commandments. And so keeping commandments and, uh, that Jesus has and loving Jesus or abiding in, uh, abiding in his love, those are hand in hand together. Those somehow are, are twins. They're like the oars of a rowboat. I remain in his love and I abide in his commands or I keep his commands. And those two are, are part and parcel. They're what we are always a part of. And he says that he has kept the Father's commands and so he is calling us to also keep the Father's commands. He also says within this section something very interesting. He says that there's a reason why I want you to do this. There's a reason why I want you to remain in my love. There's a reason why I want you to keep my commands. And he says this, it's because I want your joy to be full. 
I want your joy to be its fullest, its most complete. And when you are remaining in my love and you're keeping my commands, this is the result. This is what you'll feel on the inside of you. That's what will be bubbling up from you is this full and complete joy that's on the inside. Now that sounds rather strange to all of us. Because anytime we start talking about keeping commands, that usually sounds like a very arduous process. It sounds like something you, know, you don't want to do. It sounds like, well, gosh, I guess I have to. Let me put on the backpack full of rocks and let me march up the hill. And, and that's the equivalent of what it sounds like if we're going to keep the commands of Jesus. And he says, oh, no, 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 you've missed it. You keep my commands, you abide in my love. There is a full and complete joy that overtakes you that is indescribable. Let, let me give you an example of this. And it's a, a recent experience that we've had just at the start of this year. And Denise and I don't normally travel as much as we kind of did over the last year. And just at the start of the year, we got to take trips that were almost back to back. And so it was very easy for me to kind of compare and contrast them. The first trip we took was in January, and Denise and I, uh, for my 60th birthday, went with family, and we went to Mexico. It was a very typical the beach vacation. We loved it. It was sunny. Denise finally got warm and thawed out. She loved that. And we were, at the, we were in the sun. We were in beach activities. We took some little excursions, great food. It was a fantastic family vacation. I loved it. Fast forward just about a month later, we got the chance to go to Cuba. And although it's in a very similar part of the world from a climate standpoint, it couldn't be more different than what we experienced. We were there with a church that was hungry. They're struggling to find food right now. We're struggling, they're struggling politically with a government that's communist that's oppressing everybody. And it was just a struggle, struggle church, but somehow filled with so much joy. And Denise and I worshiped with them. We taught with them. We laughed with them. We cried with them. We prayed with them. And I have a picture right here of Denise uh, with a bunch of women for one of the, the, the outings that she had each day with a little teaching time and some engagement time with the women of Cuba. And here's what I want you to hear. I'm not ready to give up family vacations. So don't get me wrong. All right. I like, I like family vacations, but there was something that happened in Cuba that was very joyful. If you've taken a missions trip at some time in your life, you know what I'm talking about. To be on point for the day to seek God, to be on point for the day to seek to help other people to preach the gospel to other people, to help them in practical ways. There's something that is very life-giving out of that. And Jesus is right. He says, you come and you follow my way and there is a complete joy that overtakes you when you are doing that. And it's the really, I mean, some of the fullest of life that you can feel. Denise and I love our times of being able to go to Cuba. We love our times of being with those people. We love our times of seeking, of seeing how together we can fulfill God's call uh, of really the global church. And so again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that opportunity. And what I want you to hear is every time you are in this process of remaining in Christ's love, keeping his commandments, there is a full and complete joy that comes to you. And that is step one in, in loving sacrificially. If you're gonna love sacrificially, you've gotta start off in that spot of staying in the love of Jesus. All right, number two, the second key of sacrificial love is laying down your life. 
Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, now we're getting serious. Laying down our lives. Of course we know Jesus did that, but do we have to do that too? Well, that's what the scriptures say, that we are called to lay down our lives for others. Does that mean that we need to die on a cross like Jesus did? Well, no, we only need one Savior. His, his, his job was made complete when he did that on the cross. You know, I think about, I hear in the Philippines, these individuals around Easter time that actually go and actually are crucified on a cross. Not to death, but they actually nail them to the cross. And I'm kind of like, why? I mean, why, why are we doing that? We already got the completion of Jesus that's done that on our behalf. So I don't think we need to go that direction. But he is saying something to us about the way that we are called to, to uh, give up our lives, similar to, again, not dying on a cross, but going to a cross, Jesus says, is the metaphor. And we need to learn how to sacrifice our lives on behalf of others, to consider the needs of others, to consider the interests of others. In fact, Paul in Philippians chapter 2 perhaps says it the best. This is what he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And so this is hard work because it's not our default place to say, let me look out for your interests. I'm hardwired to say, let me look out for my interests. And Jesus is saying, in order to come to this space where you are learning how to lay down your life for others, you're coming to this space where you're learning how to predominantly not just care for yourself, but you're caring for other people. Now, let me give a contrast of that because I think, again, the natural starting spot for all of us as human beings is to say, I need to look out for myself. I need to do what's in my own best interests, and I'm going to follow that path to its completion. I have a little illustration of a movie that is old now, and I realize it dates me, but uh, there's a quote from the movie that I've loved over the years, and you'll know it when I say it. The movie is Wall Street, and the movie featured Michael Douglas, who, paid, who played the role of Gordon Gecko. and I have the picture of Gordon Gecko here. And Gordon Gecko was a corporate raider who essentially bought up underperforming companies, broke them into a bunch of pieces, and then sold them off for a great profit. And Michael Douglas is this corporate raider, again, Gordon Gecko, and he goes to the uh, corporate meeting, a, a shareholders meeting for Teldar Paper, and he has one of the classic quotes of cinematography of all times, because this is what Gordon Gecko says. He says, uh, let me see it, right over here. He says, uh, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right, greed works, greed clarifies. It cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind. And you know, this was again a movie that came out in the 80s, I believe it was. And again, that was kind of the spirit of the day was, you know, go fast and make a lot of money. And it was amazing how much Gordon Gecko could make us all think that it was lofty and noble to pursue greed. Here's what I want you to hear today. Although we may not say that, 
I, I know few people would say, my chief goal in life is to be greedy. We still live within a society which oftentimes that is our default position. And here's what I want you to hear. That's not the way of the cross. It's not the way of the scriptures. It's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is somehow to lay down our lives on behalf of others, to know the needs of others, to know the abilities of others, to know the interests of others. In essence, it's this. I not only want in my little city clean water and a good education for my kids, but you know what? I want that for kids in another city too. I not only want my kids to excel on the baseball team, but I want your kids to excel on the baseball team also. And so it's again taking in the interests of others and saying, I really want that to be the case for everybody and I'm willing to subjugate some of my own wants and desires in order to see that to be able to happen with you. Can I, can I give you a couple of examples? Since it's missions month, I wanna give you a couple of examples of individuals or, or uh, ideas around how somebody is laying down their life today and has in previously to the glory of God. One organization I want to bring to your attention is Wycliffe Bible Translators. And some of you know who that group is. They are a group that specializes in bringing the scriptures to individuals that don't have a Bible in their own language. And so they are constantly going the world over, finding a pocket of individuals that speak a language that hasn't been translated in the scriptures yet, and taking the painstaking process to translate the scriptures in that language. They usually have to arrive. They have to make some relationship of some kind with that people. They have to learn their language. Oftentimes, they even have to translate that, or excuse me, make a language, make a written language, because the people don't have a written language. They only have an oral language, so they literally make a written language so that they can transfer the scriptures into their language, and it's, it's the work of a life. I mean, that's what it takes to do this, the work of a life. I have a photograph here. Yes, it, there it is. And these are some men who, uh, look at the joy on their face. I, I, I would bet that they were part of the process probably of translating the scriptures into their language. But the joy of having the scriptures in their own language that they can read is just unparalleled. Now, here's what I want you to hear. The world would say, what a waste of a life. You took these young people, you took them to a place that's far away and primitive. You took them out away from their families, away from their best earning years, and you put them doing something like that, of making a Bible for a language for a people, a, a little people group over here? What a waste. God says, oh, on the contrary. I look at that life and what a life well spent. I love to see that happen. And so again, this idea of sacrificially laying down life in order that life may be given to somebody else is inherently in the scriptures and it's beautiful when it's carried out. I'm gonna brag on somebody else that I have just admired over a lot of years. I've got a picture of him in Tijuana right here. And that man's Ben Davis. And Ben has had a calling upon the individuals of Tijuana and from... <laughs> A young age, he is gone, and he has cared for children in this region that don't have an adequate school, many of them with handicaps, and he's run DDK Ministries, and he's established these schools in partnership with local churches, and it's been a beautiful thing to watch, but what, what has it taken? 
It's not taking just you know, good thoughts. It's taking somebody who transfers that into real shoe leather and says, I'm gonna go live among them. I'm, I'm gonna live in a place that maybe is not all co- always comfortable to live in. I'm gonna live among them. I'm gonna spend time with them. These are gonna become my people and I'm gonna establish a school in this location for the glory of God. It has taken the laying down of a life. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. And Ben, we stand with you, we love you, and we commend God to you as you continue that important work. And we consider you again a brother in Christ, but yes, a great example. So thank you for that. And also, I'll just give a little pitch right now. Uh, Ben and some others are going to be across the street And uh, we're going to be having our missionary lunch just very shortly. And Ben's going to be one of the presenters. So if you'd like to know more about the school that he's leading, then uh, make your way over. Well, um, what I want you to hear again is that we have to lay down our lives. And uh, that is no easy calling to do. Uh, Let me close just this one little section with another quote that I love from Jim Elliott. Many of you know Jim Elliott. He was a missionary to the Aka Indians. He was one of the most famous martyrs of the modern era. There's a picture of Jim Elliott. And what most of us don't remember is that he wrote a lot. I mean, before he died, he wrote a lot. In fact, he wrote letters back and forth to home to talk about what he believed and what was his missionary experience. And one of, his, one of the most favorite things he wrote is about this idea of, of kids in mission. And uh, this is what he said. He said, remember how the psalmist described children? He said that they were, in a, they were a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who has his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of arrows? He says, and what are those arrows? What are those arrows for? But to shoot. He says, so with strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them straight at the enemy's hosts. Give of thy sons to bear the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious. And all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. He gives this metaphor again of an arrow that's being launched into enemy territories. As he's saying, every time we're doing that with our kids or our grandkids, We're doing something that they were built for. And we're doing something that is, again, for the glory of God. And it's laying down of something very precious, a life that's very precious, in order that we would be accomplishing something that God is, uh, is cherishing and loves to see happen. All right. We abide in Christ. If we want to be sacrificially uh, loving, we abide in Christ and his love, and we also lay down our lives for others. There's one third thing I want you to see. The third key for practicing sacrificial love is bearing fruit. Uh, He says in verse 16, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Let's remember that this talk about uh, uh, love is in a broader context and the broader context is the vine and the branches in John chapter 15. Let me educate you again on vine and branches because this is important in order for you to know how to bear fruit. I have a picture here of a vineyard and the vineyard is demonstrating that stalk that's into the ground. Jesus calls that, by the way, the vine. We might call that again the stalk or the trunk. 
and here it is, is coming out of the ground, and then it branches off into a bunch of little uh, canes or, or branches that are now the things that come off that stalk, and they are the things that bear the fruit with the, with the uh, leaves all around it. I did a little investigation this week into horticulture just to educate you and myself a little bit further about this. I've got a diagram that's showing what's happening. There is the trunk. Jesus again calls that the vine. He calls himself the true vine and he's the vine that will perpetually be existing and that's true with a grape plant is the trunk is what's always surviving season after season and it's always pushing off new canes or new branches in order for those to bear the fruit. You'll notice that these little branches come off and then they're suspended on this wire because they become so heavy that if they weren't suspended, they would break off and so it takes a lot of energy energy for the vineyard uh, person to come around and care for this plant and make sure the trunk stays in good health and make sure that those canes are supported by that overall structure. Now, why do I say this and why do I go into all that detail? Well, Jesus tells us something very important. He says, whenever you are remaining connected to him, whenever you're connected to that true vine, you cannot help but produce fruit. That's the natural consequence. It's what always happens. And it's, uh, it's the byproduct of being connected in a healthy way to the vine. When you remain connected to the vine, fruit will occur. And when we talk about fruit in the Bible, what that means is it's some sort of outward action that comes from an inner disposition of the heart. The inner disposition of the heart is prepared, and so the fruit is this outward action that comes from it. Good fruit is produced by the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, and it will always at least begin with the fruit of the Spirit, which is given to all of us who have the Spirit abiding in us. And the fruit of the Spirit is explained in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, Paul says, there is no law. So he's saying, if the Holy Spirit is residing in you, if you're remaining in God's love, he's going to be producing this fruit. And it will at least be this disposition of your heart that is producing these good character qualities. And, you know, there's nothing a higher uh, tribute than for somebody to say, you know, when I'm around her, I just sense joy in her. When, when I'm around him, he just seems like a kind guy. When I'm around him, you know, he feels like he's loving. Those are no higher compliments that we can be paid, and that's a tribute again to this Holy Spirit who is doing his work on the inside of us. As we seek to, to know him, we lay down our fleshly desires, and his better ways are what's being produced on the inside of us, and it's fruit that's beginning to last that is, is manifest to the world around us that's being produced on the inside of us. And so again, to bear fruit is part of what it means to sacrificially love others on behalf of God. All right. Let's get the sprout to the practical side of things. If we want to spread the gospel of love all around the world, then we've got to get ready to do love well. We've got to sacrificially love other people. It will not be a cheap and uncostly love. It will be something that's very costly to us. And I wonder what kind of sacrificial love God is calling you to give. I wonder if for some of you, it is a sacrificial love that might begin with prayer. There's, in fact, probably no healthier place that you could begin to sacrificially love than to pray. 
And we've given you a tool in your hands today, which is our missionary handbook and Christian worker handbook. And it you know, is, a, is a great spot for you to say, wow, let me pray for a missionary today. Or let me pray for the part of the world where they are. And for many of us, that would be a fantastic starting spot of sacrificially loving, of taking some of our time to be able to do that well. Some of you will be called to give a special gift. It's above and beyond anything else you normally give. You're going to be giving a special gift to a missionary or a cause or something that God has put on your heart that really matters to you. That is a way to sacrificially love. Perhaps some of you are going to get involved with a place like Jacob's Well or with international students or maybe you're going to get involved by taking one of the upcoming trips that we have, perhaps to Turkey or perhaps to Nicaragua, to other locations, maybe that are even in our own city. And you're going to say, you know what? I really want to, I really want to have some personal connection here, some personal involvement. And that would be a way for you to, again, sacrificially love. Perhaps more than anything else, many of you are just, you're, you're, you're the, the one way that you could really engage in this worldwide effort right now is to really spend some more intimate time with God. Maybe you're gonna just say, you know what, I'm gonna spend a half a day of just going and praying and thinking about what God's doing in my life and redoubling my efforts to be a part of what he's doing in and around me and around the world. And that would be a very high calling and something that would be a very sacrificial thing to do that God I know 100% would honor if you did that. So you're thinking right now, Lord, how is it that I would take my next step forward in sacrificially loving. We love because God first loved us, period. <laughs> That's why we're able to love, is because God first loved us. And love has got to undergird all that we do in spreading the gospel. You remember what Paul said? He said, you know, we could even speak in the tongues of angels, 1 Corinthians 13. We could even speak in the tongues of angels. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? But if we did that and we did that without love, it would be like a gong, gong. It would just be a, a, a sound that nobody wanted to hear. Love has to be what undergirds. And so again, that's our, our grounding. So my challenge to you today is let's follow God in demonstrating sacrificial love to each other and sacrificial love to the world that he's died for. Let's pray. Father, what a high calling you've given. You never ask us to do anything that you have not first done for us. And what a classic example of that. How deeply, how thoroughly you've loved us. And that's what allows us the power to go and be able to love others and do things that seem un, uh, not normal, like laying down our lives for others. Now that, that's not a normal thing, but Lord, that's what you're calling us to do. Lord, would you make this church a fruitful church, a fruit-bearing a, a fruit church that just knows how to follow you, love you, and, and just dispense that love with abandon around the world. We long to be those people. Thank you for your goodness to us. We rest in that today. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior.